We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. I know it's good to be here. I'll tell you, we spoke yesterday for about an hour to Pastor Charles Mason and uh, Gloria. Do you remember? They uh, came a number of times, at least twice, maybe more than that over the years. Do you remember? Uh, They were here in 2004 is the summer I know, but that was the last time. Yeah. And they they came also during a summer when... Uh, I wasn't here at the church, but Naomi was, so it was after 1995, so sometime between 95 and 2000, somewhere in there they came. Yeah, they're in Maine. Yeah, they are in in Holton, Maine, which is like right on the line with Canada, and it's almost the farthest east in the United States you can get. It is quite farther north than we are, but... Uh, Pastor Mason was actually born and raised in the farthest east point of the United States, which is Lubeck. Yeah. In fact, you, uh, the Masons may be watching right now because I pointed them to our website and he subscribed to the uh, channel, the YouTube channel. So we say hello, Pastor Mason, if you are on. I'm just uh, relating here about uh, our, our conversation. So. Pastor Mason and his wife give uh, greetings to the church, some of you that know them. Uh, He's 94 now, and uh, she's not quite that advanced in age uh, because there was a little distance of years between them, but uh, she's uh, caring for him. And uh, he's pretty much uh, bound in a chair. Don't mind if I talk about you, Pastor Mason. Uh, Yeah, so 94 and in a chair most of the time. Very difficult to move around the house or get out at all and he has uh, they did somebody did build a ramp for them on the outside of their house but he said I haven't even seen it yet it's been some weeks yeah and just not getting out so um, anyway uh, hopefully uh, you know our ministry would be an encouragement to them and you pray for them and uh, I know one of our brothers is probably going to call and uh, have a little chat as well uh, with them. So that was a blessing. But it reminded me how privileged we are to be able to come and sit here in the church, young and old. You know, you, got, you can get up out of your bed, get into your car, and all the stuff that has to happen before that, drive here, come and sit, and be somewhat comfortable. Some of us need special chairs and other things like that. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about, but uh, better than being chair-bound, huh, brother? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bed-bound, yeah, that's true. And, um, well, so some of us probably should uh, prepare our hearts that we may have to face that in our latter days as well and be sanctified enough to handle it well, yeah. Not pleasant, huh? 
No, but it is a real thing. Another thing that I'd like to do is share with you a note that we received from Winnie Odell, uh, just to thank you. Uh, I think most of you know that we sent her a gift from the Benevolence Fund recently. Uh, she is, a, 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 how can I say, a worthy recipient, <laughs> a needy recipient of it, uh, of the help. I, I've known a little bit of uh, the financial struggles uh, from time to time, and uh, no reason for her to have that if we have some of God's money to share with her. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, she says. You all have been such faithful friends, and I appreciate all your support since John passed. Your prayers, cards, and gifts have been such a blessing. Thanks for the recent gift from the church. God is so faithful. We can trust him completely no matter what our situation is. He never fails us. My God supplies all your need according to his riches in glory, Philippians 4. I think that's 19 there. It's kind of written over with something else. But God bless you all. I pray for you and your ministry. Love and prayers, Winnie. So let's uh, remember to continue to lift her up in prayer. She testified to us this last time she was at her home for a meal. And then, uh, of course, uh, previous times, too, that she's never ceases to be amazed at how God provides for her very practical needs for bills and things that come up and stuff like that. So uh, that's a real encouragement to hear her testify of God's provision that way. So, all right, well, let's pray about that and this uh, this service. And but while I do that, is there anybody else that has a prayer update for us that we might uh, join you in prayer about? Good. All right. Little Amani is doing well, so that is good. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for that word. That's an encouragement. Very nice to hear that Imani is doing okay. Lord, I pray that your hand will guide uh, that little one and her mother and her father to do that which is uh, right and pleasing in your sight all of uh, her days, all of their days. Uh, Lord, there may be some amendment that is necessary in their uh, way of life or whatever, and we just uh, call on you for that and pray your help in that situation. This morning, Lord, we pray for Pastor and Mrs. Mason. Thank you that we were able to reestablish contact with them now. It's been 20 years since they came to the church here, and uh, our brother at that time was only 74, only. <laughs> uh, amazing. So gratefully, we acknowledge your provision uh, of the, their ministry to our church and also of your grace to them as they uh, continue to age there in their place at Holt. I think it's Holton, I recall, in Maine, uh, right across uh, the border uh, from Canada there. And uh, God, it's our prayer and hope that you'll continue to give them peace and prosper them, prosper them as their souls prosper. You know, our brother testified that he's okay. He doesn't have any pain as he sits there in his chair and uh, is able to uh, interact with some of the electronic technology with his Kindle and uh, other things. And so we're just so grateful for that report and that Gloria is still up and around and able to help and uh, pre prepare meals and things of that nature in the home. Bless them richly, we pray. We pray for Mrs. Odell again that you'd provide every need for her even using us to help from time to time as uh, you lead us and burden our hearts to do that. 
uh, we just are grateful, Lord, to be able to support uh, the widows that we know uh, who have need. And that's one of the key uh, responsibilities of a church. And we're grateful that we can participate in that and have the means to do so. Lord, I pray for the Arabic Bible Outreach Ministry who uh, has uh, sent us their summary report for 2023 here. They have church planting, Bible distribution, discipleship ministries, the online ministries that we came to be acquainted with them uh, for at the beginning of the ministry years ago, ongoing. And I pray that you would protect their people and that you would help them as they uh, serve and minister in the various countries in the Middle East in the 1040 window and um, really just help them protect their, their people again, Lord. It's very dangerous in some of those places. In Sudan, the war rages. In Yemen, war as well. In the Middle East uh, with uh, Israel and Gaza, Lebanon, Iran, Syria, war also going on. And uh, it's easy for us to sit here and just kind of ignore it. For those people, it's daily life, it's bomb shelters, it's terror, it's lack of food, it's perhaps uh, having to flee their homes. And uh, we just uh, cry out to you, Lord, for your help in that regard to those places, those people, and those church ministries there. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we have been, uh, welcome, we've been studying the matter of uh, family and child rearing and uh, training and that sort of thing. So I want to just go back to that and touch a few things. I know that the uh, teens are in the class today uh, because Brother John is not feeling well. He's had a little flare-up this week several times, uh, Wednesday night, Friday night, and then uh Last night, apparently, where his asthma has gotten worse, um, kind of like it was a year or more ago. So um, we're, we've got to pray for him to uh, get out of that situation, if you would, please. And I'm uh, not sure what's going on, if it's environmental or if it's food or if it's random. I don't know. So, But anyway, so with you folks uh, joining us, you young people, we're going to talk about uh, what we have been working through. Um, just remember uh, that our goal is correct behavior flowing from a heart that loves God. So correct behavior from a heart that loves God. And that it's not only for our young people, is it? <laughs> it's for us as well. Correct behavior that flows from a heart that loves God. And so what we want to do when we're thinking about discipling our kids is uh, to help them to think about their own hearts the fountain of life, uh, their conscience, and that sort of thing. Uh, we mentioned already uh, a couple of times, but we'll just, we'll just read it to review it here in Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart <clears throat> with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Very important, that keeping of the heart. By the way, I think in the bulletin today we have something a little bit about that. Uh, where in the devotional we talk about uh, talking to yourself. And that's a helpful little mm, idea. Uh, don't follow your heart. You tell your heart what to follow. Okay, Brother George, it's good to see you this morning. God bless you, my friend. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so correct behavior flowing from a heart that loves God. And we talked a little bit about some practical examples last week of how we could communicate with our kids. So remember, uh, we talked about two methods of working with, uh, especially we're talking about the youngest of our children, uh, communication always applicable, and uh, corporal punishment, discipline, the rod, that sort of thing for the youngest. And what I'm doing today is I'm focusing in a chapter, or two chapters actually, that talk about uh, childhood training objectives and um, procedures at the uh, latter, say, one-third of the text that we're looking at. And uh, I'll share with you this very touching illustration about the value of training from the youngest of ages. Okay, so we're focused there, but I think we'll, what we're going to run into is something that's useful for all of us at all stages of our lives. Here's the illustration. Howard's son suffered brain damage during infancy. Howard was unsure how much his son could understand. Despite his son's brain development, he talked to him about the ways of God. At three and a half, the boy still could not speak. The parents continued to talk to him of God, pray with him, and sought to shepherd him biblically. One day, the lad required correction and discipline. Howard was perplexed as he tried to explain, not knowing how much his son could grasp. As he grew more frustrated with the communication process, his son intervened. He spoke. His first words were, Pray, Daddy. Pray, Daddy. The young child, compromised by brain damage, had been understanding valuable lessons all along. He knew of his father's faith in God. He knew that one turns to God when troubled. He knew that God could help his daddy communicate. What an illustration of communication in these important young years of life. So one of the primary characteristics that uh, Brother Tripp calls out in regard to children at this stage, this is from infancy to childhood. I don't know exactly the, the end point of that, okay, but... Uh, Say uh, in um, kind of academics, do you know when early childhood development is, what that age range is? There's, a, there's kind of a technical def definition of that. Early childhood development is up to second grade, uh, about eight years old or something. Okay, So from, from you know, toddler up to eight, that's called early childhood development. But one of the primary characteristics of that period of time in a young person's life is just characterized by one word, change, change. Uh, you know, when's, when's, a, when's the best time for a child to have braces on their teeth or a person? While they're still changing, right, or they're still growing. So you're able to shape that growth. It's tougher to put braces on a 50-year-old, although you can make it work, right, with enough twisting of the wires and all that sort of thing. But easier when there's change going on to shape and fashion and form the, uh, the young person. So there's physical change, there's intellectual change, there's social change, there's spiritual change. There's, I mean, if you think about it, from birth to age eight, 
That just blows my mind still to think about. The, the size change, the weight gain, the ability to speak and reason and all of that. It's just amazing. So the primary characteristic is change in that era of life, and uh, we're trying to um, make use of that and put in some, say, good programming. Uh, the one big lesson that we want to impart to our youngsters in this period of infancy to childhood is that our child is an individual under authority. That's the big lesson you want to convey to them. One he is an individual or she is an individual under authority. And primarily, we don't want to just think about under authority like under human authorities, but under divine authority, right? That this person, young person, has the responsibility to obey God in all things. And the primary passage, of course, you won't be uh, surprised to hear, is in Ephesians chapter 6, one of the only verses uh, directed toward children specifically. And this is a key uh, passage to think through. It says this, and we've all heard it, and many of you young people have memorized it, but I want to think about it a little bit more deeply with you today. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Or let me read it from another translation. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So I think it's very helpful to think about this in terms of the diagram that's given to us here uh, in the text. And some of you who've read this are familiar with it. But picture, picture it like, uh, like this. Picture a circle in your mind, and inside of the circle is a large stick figure, okay? That's you, or that's you if you're a child in particular. That's your child if you're a parent. And inside of that circle, the scripture says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for what? Inside of that circle is right. Morally right. So what's outside of that circle? Obviously, it's wrong. Okay, You step outside of the circle, you're into a wrong territory. Okay, Inside of that circle, what are the responsibilities of a young person? Obey and honor. Okay, Obey and honor. So you can, you could obey but not honor. Can I scratch my head a second and say, can you honor and not obey? It seems like there could only be a twisted version of that. Um, however, there is a possibility. Think of, think, of the, uh, think of a true case of civil disobedience. You may truly honor the authority as the authority, but you say to yourself or to them, as some pastors and Christians did during COVID, we cannot obey that command from our authority because it's ungodly, okay? So there is a way that you can have a true attitude of honor and you 
pay your taxes and you obey the traffic laws and, you know, you're a good citizen. But in those areas where they command you to disobey God, then there's a disconnect between honor and obey. So if a parent commands a child to sin and the child graciously declines, there is a possibility that they could honor and not obey in that particular case. But let's assume. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, we're going to assume for the case, sake of argument here that we're not commanding our children to do bad things, okay? So now they, that doesn't mean that they don't, they will like everything we tell them to do, right? But telling your child to obey doing this or go, you know, put out the trash is kind of the classic example, you know, that, that's putting out the trash. Last time I checked, isn't usually a sin, <laughs> So uh, no excuses there, youngsters. But um, So you're in the circle. You're, you're there. There's the circle. You're honoring and you're obeying uh, God in that. And inside of that, there are two results. What are the two results? That it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So the picture that you're drawing, again, is the circle you honor, obey, Long life, go well. You step outside of that, and what happens? You're not honoring, you're not obeying. It's not going to go well with you, and you certainly could risk even life and limb because of that. Parents tell you you need to not have these kinds of friends. You need to cut off that, that, that connection with that person. These is especially for older you know, kids. This applies to all of us. It applies to children in particular. Um, you don't honor, you know, you don't honor God. You don't obey him. Well, do you expect it to go well with you? No. Put yourself in that circle. And now let's think about what happens if you have, if you're a parent and you have a young person in that, supposed to be in that circle. Your job is to help them stay there. Okay, that's your uh, God-assigned responsibility. You can't simply say, well, I'm just going to let it go. I'm kind of a cool parent. I, uh, I want to be my kid's friend. Um, I'm going to uh, overlook, you know, a lot of things. You're shirking your responsibility, and you're putting the youngster at risk do you want them to be out there in the wrong area? No. So what you do is, it's, it's not your privilege to overlook their iniquities like the scripture says if you're overlooking the iniquities of a peer. If you're overlooking the iniquities of your child, you're not doing what God has told you to do to keep that child in the place of blessing, of honor, of obedience, of, of long life. And that's really what this early childhood development chapter is about is you being convinced as a parent that that's your responsibility and your child working with your youngster to help them understand that is your responsibility and that if the scripture says that it's going to go well and you're going to have long life and you step outside of that, you are rescuing your child from a crazy outcome, a bad outcome if you uh, communicate with them, discipline them, train them, even spank them or whatever, 
to bring them back into this circle that we've talked about. So let me give you some just thoughts that I highlighted from the, uh, the text um, or added to the text. One of them was uh, this. It's imperative that children learn how to honor and obey. Now, young people that are here, I want you to think about yourself in that circle and ask yourself, are you honoring and obeying your parents? Even, and, you know, there's no issue when, you know, your parent comes to you and says, would you like to go to uh, get ice cream today? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to obey that for sure. I'm, I'm all on board. That's not really when it's a problem. When it's a problem is, when, will you put the trash out for me just now because it's starting to stink or something like that. We've got to get rid of it. Uh, so the, their obedience, <clears throat> the youngster's obedience, your obedience if you're a young person here, is not secured so that your parents can say, my children obeyed me. Why, is it, why do you secure obedience? Because it's a command of God to obey. So this puts it on a whole different level. Okay? Parents are to be obeyed for the benefit of their children. If you believe the Bible, and it says you're to honor and to obey long life and go well with you, if you go outside of that, bad news, so to bring them back into that is for the sake of the child. It's not for the sake of the parent, but yes, it's nice to have a home in which children are obedient and honoring and, and all of that. That's very fine, but none of us have had a home where that's naturally happened with no bumps in the road, right? A note that I added alongside here is that disobedience might not seem too dangerous at three to four years old. I mean, sometimes it is, okay? You know, putting your finger in the light socket, as we say, or whatever, you know, that's, that can be dangerous, uh, you know, messing around the stairs can be dangerous. You know, there are dangerous things, but it does, the, the dangers, you know, of not picking up your room or something like that don't seem too bad at four or five or six years old relative to when a young person becomes 17. But the problem is the foundation is much easier to lay before the house is built than it is, you know, or at the beginning than it is later on. After, you know, as in fact, as he illustrates here, the one job he had one winter, the only work he could find when he was doing contracting work was to put a basement on a house. The house was already there. So you know what that takes, right? Have you seen that happen before? Your dad did it. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, you think, how, how, can, how can hydraulic jacks lift up a whole house? But they do. They break in there, they put beams in there, they jack the, ho the whole house up, disconnect from the utilities, dig underneath there, put the walls, the floor, you know. It's a, it's a crazy amount of work. And, uh, you know, only, only young guys are probably crazy enough to do that kind of work. <laughs> That's like you, for you, Jackson. You fit in small places, you know. You can crawl under there, get in that crawl space and start shoveling it out, you know. Um, they're doing work kind of like that just down the street from us. We looked at a house years ago uh, just down the street that was for sale, and I was like, you know, this, this, there's no way this house, I would even touch this house. The foundation was very poor. So now, years later, 
there's the bobcat out there and the piles of dirt and sand and everything, and they're digging down along the foundation to try to get this thing repaired. A lot of work. Uh, so it doesn't seem like it's a big, big, big deal at four years old or six years old, perhaps, but it's laying the foundation for when it is deadly. One decision, one decision when a young person is 17 to bring a bunch of their friends into the car and go joyriding could lead to somebody dying. So uh, in the text, he illustrates with their young people when they became teenagers, they had certain rules about, you know, nobody in the car that's not approved by mom and dad. Doesn't, you know, it wasn't like this hard and fast rule, like nobody else ever, anytime, at any time, place, or whatever. It was nobody approved. No change of plans. We know what your destination is. We know when you're coming home. Uh, you know, if your child is well established in practice uh, of this and they recognize, uh oh, there's something that changed, I, you know, maybe I could stop at the store and get something we need or go and do something for somebody. Call, check in, ask, you know, and, and uh, prepare to either you know obey or, or change the plan whatever mom and dad agree to so um so we talked about the rescue function or the rescue operation as it were to bring somebody from outside of the circle back into the circle so the function of the rod and of communication is rescue correction and discipline moves your child from the peril of rebellion and disobedience back into the circle of safety I trust that you do believe that there is a peril of rebellion. Some of you that are younger might not realize that yet. Others of us who are older see it all too clearly and obviously that there is a peril of rebellion. And so this focus is trying to help us to show young people at the very early stage of their life that there is a peril to rebellion. Sometimes it's a painful, you know, uh, consequence that happens now we talked about children obeying your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so honoring uh, definition of honoring treat with respect and esteem because of a position of authority treat with respect and esteem because of a position of authority so two things on that child side parent side child side must be the child must be trained to do that. It doesn't come naturally. Parent side, if the parent is to be honored, how do you think that imply what do you think that implies about our conduct as parents? Better be honorable. Better be honorable. Not be, you know, well, fill in the blank. Not be whatever. Uh, dishonorable. Uh, and it's not a it's not an easy task because, well, it's easier, by the way, if you turn off the media today. You can't have that stuff in your, you know. Parents, fathers especially, are trashed in modern media. They're looked down upon. Um, that's not biblical. In fact, could I say it simply? It's evil. It's portraying a picture which is anti-God's order of the home. So it's evil to have that. Pastor? Yes. There's also not an out in this verse if your parents are dishonorable. You don't get a choice 
Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Chris, if you couldn't hear that, Christy's comment was that there's no footnote here or, you know, fine print that lets you out of the responsibility if your parents aren't perfectly honorable or they're quite dishonorable. And, of course, every parent is at sometimes dishonorable, is not acting in an honorable fashion because we're sinners too, so, yes, there is that problem. The Bible illustrates that with later on in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. It says in uh, verse 5, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and single and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Uh, it says, Not with eye service, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And then, of course, he addresses masters. You know, don't do stupid stuff, basically, he says. But... Bond servants had a hard time being Christians in a non-Christian environment, but yet they were called to do that. So very good. Uh, you know, here's uh, a couple other thoughts. Um, <clears throat> if your youngster talks to you in a way that does not show respect, you might say, I'm sorry, uh, dear or son, but you may not speak to me that way. Let's try again, okay? God has made me your mother or your father and says that you must treat me with honor, so let's come up with a respectful way to say or ask what you just said. You know, I'm not one of your friends. Uh, I'm not subject to your imperatives because that's not, the, oh, that's not the arrangement here. God's put me as the parent, and uh, someday you'll understand better when you have children, God willing, but uh, you're not allowed to uh, com command me this or that. And you can't wait to start doing that until later. I will say that many of us have suffered uh, failure in this way. Just be transparent with ourselves, myself, my three boys are here, I think, so they can tell that, you know, they could testify that I have failed in this area, not been perfect as a father, been frustrated, angry, that sort of thing. The way to fix that is to say, I apologize and I, I messed up. I should have done this or this or this, but I didn't. And so let's try to make a fresh start, keep moving forward like we're supposed to under God. Here's just, maybe this feels somewhat familiar. Parent, dear, I want you to sit down now. Child, Why? I think that you need to slow down a little. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? Because. So what are you training the child when you do that? I've, I've said this before. It's not, you know, it's not like we sit down with a chalkboard and set our student, you know, on the, you know, the, the student desk and we write on the, on the board, you do not need to obey me immediately. Take that down in your notes, okay? File that away. We, we, we don't do that. I mean, we don't have a lesson in our home that way with the chalkboard and writing that, but when we do this, what are we doing? You're doing that. 
You see what I'm saying? You know, we don't, we don't sit down and say, you know, these are the priorities of life. Number one, you know, entertainment. Number two, work. Number three, whatever. Number four, maybe five, six, church. We don't say that like that, but we do it. And so it teaches that just the same as if you sat down and taught a, an actual class lesson to our young person. Good to think about these things. A parent who is respectful to his child and teaches them with dignity and respect will be respected. All else being equal, I think we should add. Um, you may not yell at your children. You do not make them your slaves. Suffering indignities from you should not be a part of their submission to authority. When you fail to be respectful or courteous or sin against them, you must seek forgiveness. There's a sowing and reaping principle there with that. Uh, I've worked with myself, others, and others in our church about that matter of how we address one another. And it's a hard thing for somebody to hear me say or somebody to say to me, you need to apologize for that conduct. But I was right. Well, you might have been right but you weren't right. You were boorish. You were mean or whatever. So that's honoring. Uh, obedience. Uh, obedience, uh, how, how did we say? There's a f- short phrase that people say, obey uh, immediately and I want to say cheerfully or something like that, but he's got a threefold uh, definition in his text, obey without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. Without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. Often submission means doing what the child does not want to do, at least what he doesn't want to do at that moment. Okay, that's the example of going out to get ice cream. Nobody has trouble obeying that. Well, usually they don't, unless they don't like ice cream or something. But um, so submission to authority means that we obey without delay, excuse, or challenge. You see how this is not just useful for young people? God commands you, you should obey without excuse, without challenge, without delay. Uh, if you allow your youngsters to kind of languish on in a state of disobedience, you're giving them that chalkboard lesson again, it's okay to disobey. But you have to remember, being outside of that circle is a dangerous place to be. So we don't want that. You want to be consistent, of course, uh, have consistent things. Uh, there was an illustration. I can't remember where it was, but in, interesting illustration. They, the, these parents would notice that there was a cycle in their home. And what happened was the cycle was caused by the parents like getting tired of dealing with it and just letting it go, and then it turns into a mess. And then you've got to recommit yourself to these principles that we're talking about here, kind of get things, could I say, tightened up again, you know, and bring, bring it in, reel it in, and then things begin to be a little more peaceful. So parents have an important role to play. Don't grow weary in well-doing is the idea with that. Let's see, what else can I add to this this morning before we run out? Oh, so, and then, so here's the thing. 
Have you ever commanded your child to do something and then found out that it was an inappropriate command because of the timing or the circumstances that they were in at the moment? Because you just called out, hey, you know, do this or do that. Well, they're in the middle of something else or even in the middle of doing something else you commanded them to do a little while ago. (laughs) So it's like, then what do you do? So what you want to do is you want to have that... uh, you know, obedience without challenge, delay, excuse, process, beginning at the same time to allow your youngster to have a process of appeal, a process of appeal. So uh, you want to have a safety valve on your command before you give it and one and a safety valve after you give it so that you seem to be, because you are, a reasonable person and not unreasonable. So let me think. I was thinking of a... So it's not said here, but one thing that I've shared before is you ought to make sure that the commands that you give your children are suitable for them and their age and ability. Understanding where they are and whether they have the capability to carry out that command. I've said this with respect to law, even. You cannot pass laws to make a bunch of people lawless people just because you have the power to do that. You need to think. God has been gracious to us to give us the kind of laws that he has, the kind of commands, imperatives. We need to be similar in our, if we're in the position of creating, you know, rules, that we create the right rules. Uh, So that's a before, you know, safety valve. Uh, you know, before also a parent will stop and think before they open their mouth and give a command, give an order, give a directive. Is it necessary? Is it appropriate? Is it the right time? Does it conflict with something else? And then the other valve is afterwards. If the young person has a, you know, concern that they're uh, feeling, you want them to be able to express that. So, you know, lights have to go out at Whatever time, put your time in there, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 10 o'clock, whatever, 9 o'clock. Uh, so the light's not on at 9 o'clock and one second, but your youngster's reading, you know, in the middle of John chapter 3. You just shut the light out? Hey, Dad, I'm, I'm just finishing reading this chapter. Can I just finish reading the chapter and then turn the lights out? Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah, that'll work. No problem. Um, So that's the appeal process that can be built in once the youngster is demonstrating obedience in the way that they should. Um, Let's see. Oh, very critical. One more thing. Um, You have to have a home in which the process, this process is demonstrated is modeled. So there's a structure in the home, fathers as the head of the house, wives, children. If you have a situation where mom and dad are always going at it, dad asks something, mom pushes back, doesn't do whatever is appropriate for the situation, the children are getting a model of disrespect towards the father and disobedience. Guess what you're going to cultivate in the home? You're going you're gonna to get what you give. You're going to get what you 
you're doing. So you have to have a home that models respect, honor from wife to husband, from parents to uh, governing authorities, to church. You know, if, if, if around your table you're always beefing about the negatives and not wanting to submit to authority, then guess what you're going to produce? Kids that are similar. They have that attitude built into them. So again, watch the chalkboard teaching that you're doing, you know, virtual chalkboard teaching. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are grateful for the material that you've provided to your church through uh, folks like our brother here who's writing this, and it's been very helpful to me. I pray helpful to our church family to think about Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, to think about the, each piece of it, honoring, obeying, long life, going well, children, parents, the modeling of parents in the home to the children, all of those things. Lord, please help us to in- integrate those into our practice. For our young people here today, Lord, whether they have had a perfect experience at home or not, I pray that they would commit themselves because they know it's your word that's for their good that each one would commit themselves to honoring and obeying their parents and uh, seeing what you do with them through that. Thank you, Lord, for our young people and the measure of obedience and sobriety that they have in life, the uh, kind of serious-mindedness, a lot that I see in some of the kids here. We pray you'd bless and keep them, uh, each one, and help us to help one another to do as good of a job as we can in this area. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.